You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. All right. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, We are just beginning a series called God Is, and we are going to be while everything around us seems to be shaken and everything around us seems to be uncertain, we are taking a period of time just to set our gaze on God who is unshakable. And so we're learning more about him by looking at his attributes. And so today we're going to be learning about the holiness of God and we're going to be seeing how the holiness of God connects to Easter, and actually how it's really hard to even understand Easter at all unless you understand the holiness of God. Um, In the book of Revelation, you get this glimpse into heaven and into the throne room and what's happening around the throne room all of the time. And this is what it says, Revelation 4, 8. There are these magnificent creatures and they're worshiping God. And it says, day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This praise never ceases. Day and night, this is being declared in front of God at the throne in heaven, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Though there are many wonderful attributes that we could use to describe our God, that he is love, that he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, that he is everywhere present at once, that he is self-existent, that all of these wonderful attributes about God, and yet in heaven, before the throne, there is one attribute, that is being highlighted day and night, that is being sung before the throne, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so this attribute must be very important. What does it mean that God is holy? I'm sure you've heard that God is holy, and you've heard that his Bible is the holy Bible, and But what what does this mean? Well, I'm going to give us two big categories to think about this. And so here's the first way that, that, that I want us to be able to understand that God is holy. Number one, God that God is holy primarily speaks of his distinctiveness. The fact that he is distinct from all of creation. He is utterly unique. He is totally other. There is no one like him. It says in 1 Samuel 2.2, There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. So the word holy means to cut and separate. It means that God is separated from all of his creation. It means 
that he is set apart, that he is set above. He is highly exalted above all of his creation. There is none like the Lord, none holy like the Lord. We are not on his level. He is completely unique. He is completely superior to us in every possible way. God is incomparable. Interwoven with this is the fact that God is supreme in his glory and in his greatness. Exodus 15, 11 says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? God is totally other. Majestic in holiness. The fact that he stands alone, that there is no rival, that there is no close second. That is what makes his holiness so awesome. One of the classic stories of the Bible that helps us to understand this a little bit better is in Isaiah chapter 6. Go ahead if you have your Bibles and just turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And I want just to read this scene. And it's when the prophet Isaiah gets a vision of God. And we're going to read about that. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through... We're going to read the first five verses. Five. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So in this scene, King Uzziah is dead and gone. But Isaiah saw that when other kings come and go, the true king, the king of kings, remains on his throne. God is seated in power upon his throne, and this indicates his kingly glory, his kingly holiness, his authority over all. So he is holy in his reign over the universe. And then Isaiah says, that he is high and lifted up. That means 
that he is not on our level. He is so high above us, so much greater, more valuable, so superior to us. And he sees God high and exalted. It means that in every way that God is different from us, he is better than us. Isaiah sees these creatures called seraphim crying out in continual worship. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The picture we get of these seraphim is that they cannot stop themselves, that they are so passionate about the Lord that they cannot help but worship him. They cry out with such a loud voice that the temple is shaking and filling with smoke. Theologian Stephen Lawson says that the word seraphim means burning one. And what he says is he says that the closer you get to God in his holiness, the more you will burn with passion to worship him in his holiness. Then he goes on and he says, and the train of his robe fills the temple. In other words, in God's temple, there is no room for another. There is no God besides him. There is no room for a rival in God's temple. There is no challenger to his throne. So what is Isaiah's response to seeing this holy God high and lifted up? Verse 5. He says, woe is me. In other words, judgment unto me. Woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He sees immediately how sinful he is. This is Isaiah. He is the prophet of Israel. Maybe the most righteous man, the most upright man on the earth at the time. And his response to seeing this God in his holiness is, woe is me, I am lost. And the fact of the matter is, until we see God in his holiness, what we will do is we will compare ourselves to everyone else. But Isaiah finds himself in the temple. And as he stands before the holy God, he has no one to compare himself to but God. And when he compares himself to God, he sees himself rightly. When we get a glimpse of the holiness of God, we have no one else to compare ourselves to. And we realize that we are undone because we have seen the King of glory, the King of hosts. We suddenly see the truth about our own wicked hearts that we have been rebellious against this throne. We have been rebellious against this authority our whole lives. And so to recap this first point, that God is holy means that he is unique, that he is completely other, that, that there is no rival, no close second to him, that he is high and lifted up, high and exalted in his holiness, that he is superior to us in every way. 
What else does it mean that God is holy? That God is holy means that he is morally perfect and that he is blameless. This means that God, because he is holy, is without flaw or fault. God's holiness is the perfect purity of his being. It means that there is no darkness in him at all. No evil whatsoever can be found in God. James 1.17 says, every good, and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, God's work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. His work is perfect. He is perfectly just, perfectly upright. No charge can be brought against him. Everything he does is perfect. Psalm 18.30 says, This God, his way is perfect. Perfect. God's holiness means he is morally perfect, morally pure, morally blameless. What does perfect character look like? What does this look like? Well, for one thing, it means that God most values what is most valuable. His holiness means that he finds his highest delight in whatever is most excellent. He loves what is lovely, what is good and right and true. But his holiness also means that he cannot be neutral toward evil. To be holy means to find no delight and that even vehemently oppose and abhor evil. The Bible says in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine and abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. In other words, in order to be a genuinely loving person, you have to hate what is evil. You have to hate what destroys good, what destroys the souls of people. Because evil destroys people, whether we see it or not, you see, sin destroys our souls. And so, if I genuinely love people, I must also hate what brings their destruction. Let me put it this way so that it, maybe you can begin to grasp this. If, if I love children, then that means I must hate kidnapping. I must hate whatever destroys children. You see, to love means you must also hate what is evil. I can't love what is good without hating what destroys what is good, and neither can God. So God values what is most valuable, and he finds his highest delight in what is most excellent. And this means he must be zealous to uphold what is good and right and true, and especially that which is most good, which is 
the holiness of his name, his own holiness. Listen to what God says in Ezekiel 36 verses 23 and verses 22 and 23. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. The word profaned there means to treat as common, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Here's the connection that, that I want you to see this morning. For God to continue to be holy, morally perfect, he must never neglect his own holiness. Which means that he will never, ever, ever turn a blind eye to the dishonoring of his own holy name. And every time we sin against him, that is what we're doing. We are dishonoring his name. Numbers 14, 18 says that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgetting iniquity and transgression, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. He will not sweep sin under the rug. He will not turn a blind eye to any evil. He cannot because he is just and holy. This poses a massive problem for people. God has declared in his holy word in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The penalty for our rebellion against God is, is death. And so this, this, the fact that God cannot turn a blind eye to sin and that he cannot sweep sin under the rug and the fact that we are sinful, that we are born sinful human beings and we are rebellious toward God, this poses a massive problem for us. We continually love what is evil, what is against God's will, and we hate what is good. Because of this curse of sin, we are bent towards sin continually. God is infinitely holy. And we're not. And the very fact that he is holy and we are not creates a great wall of separation between us and him, keeping us from relationship with God God's holiness cannot ignore evil, and we, compared to a holy God, are evil through and through. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here is the connection to all of this, to the holiness of God and to Easter. And 
It's only by understanding the holiness of God that Easter will make any sense to you. You see, 2,000 years ago, God provided the solution for this great problem, for this wall of separation between us and Him. God sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus came to earth. Holiness embodied in human flesh. And He lived a perfect life. God in the flesh living out a perfect life on earth, never sinning. And then Jesus made a way for sinful people to be in relationship with a holy God. How could this morally perfect, holy God, on the one hand, not turn a blind eye to sin, and yet on the other hand, still have a relationship with people who are sinful? Because he cannot be neutral toward evil, and our sin must be punished. But if he were to punish our sin on us, the penalty, the wages for sin is death, we would be eternally destroyed. And here's the good news. This is how God did this. Jesus, the Son of God, who is himself perfect in holiness, took our sin off of us and put it on himself like a garment. And then he said, now, Father, punish their sin. And on the cross, that's exactly what God did. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friends, the resurrection means that the curse of sin is broken. The price for sin has been fully paid. Jesus Christ died in our place. Acts 2, 24 says he didn't stay dead, but that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Because God loves us, he did this in order to do away with our sins so that we could have relationship with him for eternity. And so now, if you are a Christian, if you have put your trust in Jesus, then Jesus not only took your sins off of you and placed them on himself on the cross and paid the price for them, but he also took his righteousness like a garment off of himself and placed it on you. Listen, Isaiah 61.10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive the robe 
of righteousness. All of the sin that keeps you from the presence of God is removed and a new robe, a robe of righteousness is placed on you. This is what the holy God did so that you could have relationship with Him. He made you, every believer, every person who is in Jesus Christ, who's put their trust in Him, to be holy as He is holy. Is that not incredible? But what about those who are listening, who are not Christians, who've not yet turned from their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ? I want to give you the opportunity to begin a relationship with God right now. The holiness of God means, as I said, that every sin that we've ever committed, it must be punished. It must be. There, there is no, no truth in what so many people believe that somehow their good deeds will cancel out their bad. There's no truth in it. God is holy. And because of His holiness, every evil deed must be dealt with. And so, if you are not a Christian, then here's the choice that is laid before you. You have the option. You can pay the price for your sins yourself. You can live your life continuing to reject God. And in the end, you will stand before the holy God that Isaiah saw. And you will stand in judgment for every sin you have committed against him. Or you can turn to God today. And you, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ and in what he did for you on the cross. And if you do, he will take your sins from you and make full payment and place on you the righteousness of Christ so that you can stand before a holy God, pure and blameless before him now and for all of eternity. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He was buried and that on the third day He rose from the dead, and if you are ready to turn away from your sin, from your rebellion against God, and put your trust in Jesus Christ today on Easter 2020, you can do that right now and be forgiven of your sin and begin a relationship with God that will go on for all of eternity. Pray with me right now and I will, I will show you all that you need to do. If you just now, if you have believed for the first time in Jesus Christ, then you can simply tell God this, God, I am a sinner 
and I see that you are holy and I am sorry for my sin and I want to turn to you and put my trust in Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead on the third day. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you decided to trust in Jesus today, then we want to know about it. So please direct message us or send us an email at info at newkingchurch.com and we want to help you begin the journey of following Jesus. And now, for all of you, let's continue worshiping Jesus today who defeated our sin, rose from the grave victorious so that all who trust in him can stand before God holy and blameless.